Today on the podcast, we have Mike McDonald. Uh, Mike is the club secretary at Fort Rose and Rose Market Golf Club in Scotland. Uh, we're lucky enough to be able to go play there in July. Um, we're really excited to, to meet with him and talk with him today and hear a lot about the course and, and his experiences throughout his career. Um, okay. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Travel Royally podcast. We're thrilled today to be joined by Mike McDonald. Mike is the club secretary at Fort Rose and Rose Markey in the Highlands of Scotland. And we are thrilled to have you today, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be yeah. here. Yeah. It's a beautiful day there. And uh, as you can see from uh, Hayden's background and my background, we've got a backdrop of Fort Rose and Rose Markey. And we're looking forward to playing there back, or shoot, excuse me, in uh, July this year. So let me ask a question just to kick this off. Are you from that area originally? Did you grow up in Fort yeah. Rose? It's like I was born in Inverness, which is like 12 miles away. But my mom and dad, they live four minutes away from here <laughs> in the town of Fort Rose. So, and you live yeah. there as well. So you're close to your, your parents then. <clears throat> yeah, really close. They, they live about 500 meters away from me. <laughs> I'm guessing you've know, played a lot of golf together in your life. So, yeah, yeah, they took me out. You know, I mean, my son's 11 years old, so they're fantastic at the babysitting side. You know, not babysitting, but looking after Oh, them. perfect. So, it's good. so how did you come to golf? Uh, mom and dad. Mom and dad. You know, they, they introduced me. You know, they, they were both – my father was a club captain here. And my mum was a club captain here, like the ladies' club captain. Excellent. So uh, my father pres- has been a president of the golf club. So, yeah, they used to drag me down, um, cut a golf club in half and take me out. So I'm like maybe 100 yards behind them, just whacking this ball up behind them. But it's good, yeah. There's a lot worse things to do. So how many club championships have you won then? Uh, eight. Just the eight. Seriously? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, seriously. I'll play off plus two. Nice. So I, uh, I've, not, I've not played in it for maybe four or five years. It's just too busy here. But uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to win it a few times. It's been four Excellent. or five years? Four or five years since I've played in it. But okay. uh, yeah, it's, it's not the be all and end all, you know, for me anymore. I've won it a few times. My name's on the board, so it's all good. You'll see that in July. Yeah. So for people who are unfamiliar with that part of Scotland, tell them where Fort Rose and Rose Markey is. Okay, so what we have is we have, we are situated, you know, drive-wise 15, 20 minutes from Inverness city centre. So the airport is just outside Inverness. So any flights coming in to the city, I can see right across the water where Castle Stewart is. So for any flights that are coming in here, you know, it's like a 10-minute drive to Inverness City Centre from there. And then, you know, you're just crossing one of the bridges as if you were going to Royal Dornoch. And we're like 20 minutes away, whereas Dornoch's 45 minutes away. So it's really close. It's central. The quality of the courses are amazing up here, you know. And I'm, you know so like how far are you? I'm sorry. How far are you from the airport? Are you about 30 minutes from the airport? Yeah, about 30 minutes from the airport. Although yeah. if you had a... If you had a good rowing team, you could probably get there in about 10 minutes because it's like right across the water from us. Yeah. But it's, nice. uh, 
yeah, it's it's so close, you know, and um, a lot of the golfers make a beeline for Eldonic, which is maybe understandable given its its rating in the world. But uh, there's so many good courses, including this one, to to play. It's convenient. Which you'll find yeah, but one of the big things we try to do, Mike, is get people to do parts of the world with the Castle Stewarts, but the Fort Rose, the Murray, the Nairn Dunbar, the Tain, the other great course, Aurora, Goldsby, the other yeah, uh, great yeah, courses yeah. that are nearby. Value for money so, courses. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a question for you. You know, doing some research, I found out that the uh, your part of Scotland is called the Black Isle. Why is it called the Black Isle? It's called the Black Isle because of the soil, which is as black as you will actually see the soil in the fields. So it's good farmland then around there. Yeah, there's lots of farms. Yeah, I think if you if you went into a local bar here, the good chance you're going to bump into a farm at some point. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. That's great. Now, for people for people here in the states, Mike, you know, you you mentioned uh, we talked about club secretary. You talked about the captain. We don't have yep. those titles here. So, um, if you would tell them what the duties are of a club secretary. And my role, you name it, yeah. I probably do. You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's the same as like you know, general manager of a golf club. You know, it's the same thing. It's just a different title which was introduced with the club constitutions, et cetera. So, you know, if you look at Neil Hampton or Earl Dornick, general manager, it's very much the same. So yeah. from my role where we've got like, you know, we've got an accounts lady, you know, that I generally do everything else, you know, match and handicap, dealing with the visitors. We've got a great couple of staff next door in the pro shop, Rob Douglas, our pro, and we've got Gavin who works there. Bar staff are fantastic you know, and uh, we've got the catering franchise. So I'm really just kind of overseeing all of those areas to to make sure things run as smooth as possible. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. My experience has been that many club secretaries have a military background. Is that true in your case or why, why is that true? Yeah, maybe Muddy Golf Club would, would have had it. But uh, no, no, no it's, uh, I definitely don't have a military background. No way. No way. Don't yeah, Murray, our last, our last two secretaries came through the RAF. Yeah, yeah. So it's like obviously the airfield's right beside there, yeah. So, yeah, military-wise, are you talking about the States? No, no, I'm talking about in uh, the UK. It seems like, you know, historically, uh, you know, famously, the uh, club down Muirfield uh, had – military men as club secretaries that were very yeah. they had bad reputations of being brusque and you know militaristic about how they doled out tea time probably old school in a lot of respects maybe those, yeah. those type of kind of uh, people were in there at the time but you know, i've been here 19 years when i did first start here there was uh, people knocked to my door and said look can i speak to the club secretary and i said yeah i am the club secretary but uh we couldn't believe how young I was. They were expecting some guy in their 60s, 70s, you know. So, yeah, things have changed, you know. I think having you know, younger guys, you know, in a position like Stevie, you know, um, my right. golf club, Neil's not dissimilar age to me at Royal Dornick, you know, 
Nero is going to be the same. Castle Stuart Jeremy there. So yeah, it's a younger element there nowadays. How old were you when you became the secretary? I was 29. Wow, that is young. So how did you come to be the club secretary? So this has been my club all my life. Um, I was yeah, I was always a member here, you know, through my mum and dad. And yeah, it's like, you know, I, I didn't come to this job when I left, you know, like higher education, but it was a case of I was a teacher for nine years and then I got a little bit bored of that. So then this job came up. And the previous secretary was here, yeah, probably 20 years plus. And she was retiring. I applied for it. They knew me here anyway. So I was lucky enough to get offered the position. What kind of background do you have to have to uh, get a job like that? Um, yeah, being able to speak to people is a, is a good starting point. You know, yeah. I, I dealt with, you know, customer service, admin, computers, and all that. So, yeah. Being a good golfer doesn't hurt. Being a good golfer resume, or a decent golfer helps. Uh, but yeah, I had a good background, you know, and people knew me here, you know. So um, it's bringing the club forward, you know, because uh, it's For a sure. lot different than what it was when I first started here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Uh, oh, go ahead, Hayden. Yeah, I'm excited to to be able to to play in July. I, my first trip to Scotland is going to be in this July and I'm, we're lucky enough to, to be able to come and, and play for Rose and Rose Markey. Um, and y'all have a lot to uh, be proud of. Can you tell me a little bit about the club so I can kind of start getting a feel for, for where I'm coming? Yeah. Well, the club, the club's um, it's the 15th oldest club in the world, 1793. Um, you'll see, You'll see when you arrive at the golf club and maybe even if you're up in the clubhouse there, you know, it's like it's got 1793 in the bank, you know, and it's, you know, there's some great new courses that are being constructed in the UK and Scotland, you know, like Dunbarney, but they don't have a history like mm-hmm. we do, you know, and it's, and it's great meeting people, you know, even the Scottish Golf Tourism Week we go to just to tell them about the history of the golf club, you know, so I, um, with this course here, this course was taken over uh, during the Second World War. So they actually took over the course, the military, and they used it as a training base for training people on land and actually sea landing tactics as well. So, and the beaches, they assumed at the time were very similar, you know, to the, the ones used in the D-Day landings. So... When I talk at the Scottish Golf Tourism Week, they're amazed, you know, about you know how this is a golf club, but the history behind it is is amazing as well. Now, James Braid redesigned the course in 1932, but who was the original architect? I believe, you know, it, it, the, there is no record of that, and you know, yeah. it's obviously just a members' golf club where you know the, the club was obviously. Um, created and it, you know it was like six it was like six holes 12 holes when they'd managed to buy up the land in the 1930s you know from the farmers and it's amazing like the the bits of paper that were used to buy the land of a farmer or whatever it may have been um when i first started the job here there was a brown packet and it was just little bits of paper you know just uh, obviously they, they paid bought up bits by bits by bits 
Um, it's amazing how they can fit 18 holes in here. But once they got the land, they invited James Bray along to do a design of the golf course. So up in the clubhouse itself, you'll see, you know, you can see original plans from, from James Braid, you know, so it, it's all there. You know, it's, uh, I've got constitution, I've got constitutions and club minutes going back into the 1880s, you know, so it's, uh, yeah. And the writing is a lot neater than mine was, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. I've seen some of that. We, uh, for a while, I was the unofficial club historian at Murray. So I, that we had a captain there, John Thompson, and I would write, every time he did a newsletter, I'd write a historical piece about the club. And uh, it was fascinating to see the old documents and so forth. But one of the things that stands out about, about your club, Mike, is that I saw a discrepancy. I, I know that you said that you're the 15th oldest and that the club was founded in 1793, but golf's been played there as early as like 1702, right? Some I read yeah, somewhere so, that you're the fourth oldest golf club in the world. So, like, you know, as records go, like, there's there's records going back to 1702. So, from from that date in 1702, there's actually a a letter written by a farmer, funnily enough, that said, "I'm going to play golf in Shannonry." So it's C H A N. O-N-R, Shannon Reed, like, so just obviously one of the holes is called Shannon Reed, and yeah, it's, it, it makes reference to each, he shouldn't be playing golf on a Sunday. And that's in, that's in one of the books I'll give you when you're here, so you can take that away and have a good read of it, you know, on your well, playing job. That, that would be wonderful. But that Shannon Reed, is that the name of the peninsula that you're on? No, Shannon Reed is now called Fortress. Ah, gotcha. Nice. That was the original name of the course. Gotcha. And how many members well, do you have now? Sorry. Pardon me? How many members do you have now? And members, we've got 1,100 members here. So. And how many uh, visitor rounds do you get a year? I mean, the last two years have just been... So right, difficult. right, right. Pre-COVID. Or what do you hope to do this year? What... Yeah, I mean, we have to keep a happy medium because there's so many members here as well. You know, so... If you look at Saturdays and Sundays, we, we need to make sure there's as many priority tea times for the members as possible. For a lot of them, that's their only time off. So, yeah, I mean, stats-wise, yeah, there'll be a few thousand rounds here played every day, every year. But, um, yeah, it's just keeping the members happy. The last thing I want is for a member not to be able to get a tea time on a Saturday when yeah. it's the only time they can play. So... During the week, we don't have the members' priority times, so we can fit in the visitors as needed, you know, and it seems to work pretty good. You know, it's uh, you'll get members that moan about visitors being slow around the course, but it works <laughs> both ways. You've got visitors who might moan about members being slow as well. You know? So it's uh, generally speaking, you should be around here in under four hours. You know, it's uh, so yeah, some people are taking longer than others. I think they watch too much Sky TV, you know, where they're watching these pros on the TV. Hit shots over a minute and a half long you know so uh, it's uh, you'll see it when you walk the fairways you don't need golf buggies here it's probably one of the best walking courses you'll come across yeah well you know it's interesting Hayden I don't know that if uh, if you knew this but a lot of clubs like Fort Rose and Rose Markey that visitor income is a huge part of their income because they tend to 
spend more in the pro shop while they're there. They tend to have drinks and eat there. Um, it's a big deal to you guys, right? I mean, it helps keep the, uh, the uh, member subscriptions down. 100%. You know, our annual membership fees here, um, I'm not sure what it is in dollars just now, but it's like £480 a year, 480 Um, For a country member, international member, it's £300 a year. So, so for those of you uh, at home, a member there has full privileges for $700 a year. And the country member would be about uh, $420. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they can yeah, it's, comparable, it's, it's comparable at Murray. Yeah, I think they'll be very similar price-wise. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm not, I mean, Doric's probably a bit more expensive, but and Nairn would be probably double the price of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, being a, you know, you can, you've got all the privileges as a, an ordinary plane member here as well. So it's, so it's good. It's crazy. Yeah, my, my club, at my club here, my monthly bill is three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And, and to join, the top, what's that? And that's on the lower end. Yeah, that would be on the lower end. I mean, there are a lot of people. Well, it's crazy how expensive golf is here. Yeah, I mean, but, what we did, what we did in twenty twenty, you know, when everything was locked down initially, is we. I mean, obviously, there was various suggestions coming from committee members, but we introduced an overseas lifetime membership, international membership. So, like for the overseas people, you'll you'll see them maybe once, twice a year. Um, so we managed to raise about one hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds, which kind of sucked up a lot of the visitor income that we were going to miss out miss out on. You know, on the back of I think the first three weeks of lockdown, I spent all my time in the office upstairs myself. Um, sorting out refunds and trying to reschedule them for the following year. And yeah, it was, it yeah. was easy, but you know, we want to, you know, we, we, we certainly didn't want to say, look, no, you've lost out on your fees. It's not the golf club's fault. You know, we want to look after them. And that's the main thing is whether we're going to reschedule them for last year or this year, we're, we're still doing that now, you know, so they're able to come, they've paid a deposit payment. So let's look after them. You know, it's not their fault. Yeah. Well, you've got a beautiful course, and you've got a lot to be proud of, as Hayden said, but you've gotten a lot of recognition lately, right? I mean, when you think about it, you were recognized as number 30 in the top 100 most fun courses in Great Britain and Ireland, number 47 in the top 100 courses in Scotland. You won Golf Tourism Awards, I think, in 2017 and 2018 uh, for being the best value for the golfing experience. Um, and in 2010, you hosted two uh, national competitions. Um, it's amazing that the course isn't more widely known. And I know that's something that you're, you're, you're working on. But with all that recognition and uh, those achievements, what makes the course itself so special? I just think it's one of the most unique. I've played, a, I've played golf in the States and I've played in a lot of places around the world. So... I think it's probably one of the most unique courses you'll ever, ever see. You know, you can, you're surrounded by the sea on three sides. You know, we've got a dolphin colony here. There's, there's various things within the golf course that it's got so much history behind it. You know, we've got an ice house on the right-hand side of the fifth green, 
which they used to use when they did the fishing way back in the day. And obviously freezers were, you know, not in kind of uh, invented at that time. So they used to freeze the fish, keep the fish in these ice houses to keep them kind of fresh as possible. It's, uh, when I go to the Scottish Golf Tours a week, maybe 15 minutes is not enough time to talk about the course and the history behind it, you know? So, yeah. so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. When you see it, it's, um, you know, even when you see it from the air with the Scottish Golf Tours and we tour operators fly over, they just think it's amazing. You know, you could, you could send like the pictures in your background there, Jeff, you know, as many pictures as you want, but to actually fly over this course, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. We've got a massive, we've got a massive range out there. Um, even Bryson DeChambeau would struggle to uh, hit out of it, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's about 450 yards long, you know. Did you hear that, Hayden? It's massive. Yeah. <laughs> That's something, uh, Mike, that he and I joke about. The, the, everybody I know in the UK, when they, they say that something's really big, they use the word massive. But no one says it like I just said it. No one says massive. They, they say it like this. It's massive. <laughs> you know, there's this whole head bob and their eyes closed. Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. I'll just try to keep my head straight so you can see me on the screen, yeah? That's it. <laughs> what kind of uh, wildlife do y'all get on the course? So in, in addition to the dolphin colony we've got here, so when you're playing right. the fourth and fifth, you know, you look to your left-hand side, you'll see the dolphins more times than not. You know, so uh, that's just uh, so unique. You can see here, or kestrels. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty unique. You know, there's a lot of kind of dog walkers here. Go down the beach, you'll see them when you're here as well. You know, so it's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place. You know, there were you know there, there's obviously rabbits, but we've managed to uh, eradicate them over time. You know. Uh, you don't want it in a golf course. You know? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place. You know, you've got a lighthouse there at the back of the fourth green. You know, it's, it's just like you, you, there's some things you can see, you know, you won't see normally in most golf courses. I feel like this I've is the type of course that you, uh, I feel like this is the type of course that you have an, a Loch Ness monster that kind of lives there. Yeah. That's what you come to the course for. Much of that, you'll be seeing everything. Yeah, yeah, you'll see everything and nothing as well. <laughs> exactly. And nothing. You know, um, Guys, think, so Mike, one of the things I think that's interesting, you know, the things that you have that you've been talking about that make the the course unique, you've got things like um, an ice house, you've got the dolphin pods, you've got a lighthouse. Yeah. I've seen these on different golf courses, but not all in one place. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, at Presswick St. Nicholas, they've got fishermen salt cottages where they used to cure fish. Right. And yeah. Murray's got a, and, and Turnberry's got a, a lighthouse. And I've seen a pot of dolphins at Hopeman, but I haven't seen it all in one place <laughs> along with, it looks like you're playing golf on an island, that, that peninsula. It's, it's just yeah, a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. You know, I mean, I, unfortunately, I do get phone calls here in my office that from members of the public who say, could you tell me what time the Dolphins will be down there today? Uh, so I just basically say 11 o'clock now just because 
hey, it's a dolphin for God's sake, you know, it's how you're supposed to know. Yeah, but, right. It's uh, hey, there's a very good chance when you're here, you'll you'll probably see them anyway. Yeah. And if um, not, we'll just have to come back. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I'm getting new drone footage done, you know, over the next couple of weeks as well. Over the gorse now in full bloom, and it's just yellow. It just looks so beautiful. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll get some new drone footage, which will obviously publicise as much as possible, market it to the two operators we do. One last question before we uh, take our break is: Would you say that the fourth hole is your signature hole? One hundred percent. That's stroke index one, right? Yeah. Now. What I do, you know, I do caddy from time to time on a Saturday or Sunday. So we've got groups of people from the States, Canada, Europeans, wherever they may be from, right? And uh, there's more and more caddy requests coming here. So if I'm part of a group and I just like maybe caddy on a Saturday or Sunday just to help out if need be, you know, and I've got spare time to do so, I put a bet on with the players on the fourth tee to say, look, if you guys birdie this hole, I'll buy you a dram in the bar afterwards, all right? But I obviously have to be a witness to that. Um, <laughs> out of maybe, like, I'm going back to 2019 here, out of maybe about 60 golfers that went through, one guy had a birdie, and I was delighted <laughs> to buy him a drum. But I need to change the bet, so if they don't get a six, or if they get more than a six, they owe me a drum in the bar afterwards. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's it's such a tactical hole. You know, we've created a new tee over the last few years, which yeah, makes it even more difficult. You know, we had a tournament yesterday, and um, it was a foursomes competition, and my playing partner was teeing off in the fourth. Yeah, so you have to be accurate. But we're taking a lot of, a bit of gorse out now as well. We're making it a bit more natural, you know, with the sandbanks and all that sort of things too, because it was getting a little bit penal. We you know where the gorse pushes. So yeah. you know, playing the playing the fourth hole is yeah walk off a five there on a windy day then you're quite happy believe yeah. me you'll witness that yourself guys all right i'm excited you get a birdie, I'll, buy you a drum the bar afterwards as well. I'll take well, you up on that you've, you've guaranteed no wind and you've guaranteed the dolphins will be out at 11 so we're ready to go yeah yeah so and uh, if you birdie the fourth i'll buy a, i'll buy you a double in the bar afterwards. Okay. sounds Next. good Welcome back, everyone. We took a break. We had some uh, technical issues yesterday that we've overcome, and we're back. We're back with Mike McDonald of Fortrose and Rosemarkey in the Highlands of Scotland. And yesterday, we were finishing up talking about the fourth hole, which is an amazing hole that you have there. Are there other – what other holes do you have on the course that, that you would say are standout or, or most memorable? Yeah, I, th I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the first five holes in particular are, you know, you get through there as a scratch player, level par thereabouts. Then you've got opportunities coming in afterwards. But the, yeah, there's there's some gorse bushes out there. You know, I'm just looking out the window just now, and like the fifth hole, for example, is 133 yards off our kind of like medal championship tees. You know, so it could be a 60 degree wedge one day but it could also be a three iron the next day you know just because it's the yeah. far, farthest point in the course um right at the the, the peak of the peninsula and um i played a three iron there back in march 2018 and i just made the front edge of the green um, yeah so and i'm not a short hitter on the cap but it's, uh, yeah you don't you don't tend to get two days the same here you know it's uh it's unique yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you, I played at Murray. The first time I played there as a member. Yeah. Um, I played it two days in a row. And when I got to the last part three on the back, um, I played it downwind and hit eight iron, got a birdie. Played it the next day into the wind, hit two iron, got a birdie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Bernie did two days in a row with an eight iron and a two iron. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's unheard of here at home. Yeah. Good memory. Good memory to have. Um, and that's the beauty of Lynx Golf. You know, it's uh, you ask Stevie and um, John at Murray Golf Club. Yeah. There's every day is different. Yeah. So when our when our guests come to your club at Fort Rose and Rose Markey, what can they expect? Yeah, I think they can expect, you know, a fantastic welcome. You know, like um, last year we got awarded with the, from the International Golf Tour Operators Association, they awarded us with a, a customer service excellence award. You know, just the way we dealt with people during the, the pandemic, you know, the, <clears throat> from basically entering the pro shop, you know, um, the speaking with uh, Rob or Gavin, you know, Rob's our professional at the club. Um, the welcome is really good, you know, and, you know, people are made to feel welcome. This this building, and now we built this um, just before the pandemic came in. And uh, it, unfortunately, it took us about nine, ten months to complete because everything locked down. But, you know, it's, it's a great facility. You'll see this when you're out here. You know, it's a big office I'm in. And the pro shop's really big you know and it's got like a swing studio within the pro shop we've got a range out there just to my right hand side it's about a 50 yard walk you're at in balls um as i mentioned yesterday it's 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 uh i'll use the word again massive all right so it was like uh, 400 just uh, plus yards the bar staff the two lorraines and obviously we've got part-time bar staff as well brilliant with the, with the with the clients and the customers that come in there just the members and visitors to the club and the catering is really good. Awesome. What, what more could you ask for? Well, I think one of the things, Mike, that's interesting, I think a lot of clubs in Scotland, they don't have a practice facility or practice range, certainly not yeah. nearby. And no. even Doorknock doesn't have a practice range. You've got a, I mean, I've warmed up there hitting into a, what Americans would call a batting cage, you know, a chain link enclosure with a, yeah, AstroTurf mat to hit just to kind of get some swings in. But North Americans like their driving range to warm up on. Yeah. Uh, we, any any of the any of the you know obviously the two operators we deal with, you know we we do give them a ball token. You know it gives you forty golf balls. Um, you know they got a ball token they can warm up. You know and then obviously they're meeting caddies or if they're going out themselves in golf buggies or or walking the course itself. You know so they. They're, believe me, they're made to feel welcome. And there's always plenty of whiskey in the bar afterwards if they have a bomb. Why would them, they need that after such a perfect day? Maybe to celebrate. Yeah, my, my office itself is probably like a bar. You know, there's that many different bottles in here. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's not that I drink during work time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I meant, I forgot to mention this yesterday. You, you mentioned Dumbarney. At some point. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we've got Clive Clark, who designed Dunbarney. He was on the Ryder Cup, on a European Ryder Cup team in 73. Okay. Um, 
you know, he's an amazing character. I mean, just absolutely amazing. He was the, he was in the final group of the 68 open. No, 67 open at Hoy Lake. He was in the final round with Nicholas. So his stories are amazing. Uh, and yeah. interestingly, going in uh, last week I don't, at the Masters, you saw Stuart Sink get a hole in one on 16. Mm -hmm. Clive Clark had a hole in one on 16 there. My God. In the 68 yeah. Masters. Uh, with a, Okay, now think about that. Stuart Sink hit a nine iron. He hit a two iron. <laughs> <laughs> Technology's changed and golf balls have changed a little bit since. Oh, yeah, well, plus he was into the wind there on on, the, on that particular day. But and fortunate for him, he was able to hear the the uh, recall and replay by Henry Longhurst. So you'll have to listen to that podcast because his stories are fascinating. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's got some good stories I can imagine. You know, it'll be really good to hear. So you just finished building the facility that you're in. You're coming out of COVID. What's next on the club's agenda? Are there any upgrades or changes um, you guys have yeah. on the docket? Yeah, so the next plan um, is, you know, we've got a locker room facility for the ladies, the gents, visitors, et cetera. You know, it's a little bit outdated, you know, so we're, we're going to invest money and in just getting brand new wooden lockers in, make it a bit more kind of, you know, like cosy, cosy within there, changing facilities, the showers, et cetera. So, we're probably going to start that project probably November, you know, um, once we get all the plans run up and we get it priced up, you know, so we're, we're, we've got prices coming in. So um, you know, it's just getting the okay from the members to use the money for these sort of projects and uh, we'll be good to go. And it's really, from my point of view, the really the kind of final piece of the jigsaw, you know, because we've got everything we need, you know, the range itself has got the ball machine, the practice nets, artificial turf they can hit off the grass if they want to you know and it's it's and they've got a short game practice area with bunkers and practice putting game we've got two practice putting greens around the clubhouse five golf buggies and um, yeah anything you could think of um, including whiskey of course um it's there for them okay hey and i don't know if you've noticed but with mike everything comes back to whiskey yeah, you know, that's, that's what the Scottish golf tour. That's when the, when I go to the Scottish golf tours every week, I always have a bottle of whiskey sitting on the table. So I'm I'm kind of renowned for that a little bit. <laughs> well, that'll bring a lot of uh, visitors as well. So yeah, yeah. Hayden, I feel like I'm dominating. I know you must have some questions. I'll let you ask a couple. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. Oh, snap. Sorry about that. Yesterday, you talked about a couple of. Uh, courses in the area that you would recommend um you know we always try to stick somebody in an area and, and have them play four or five courses in one area what other courses around mm -hmm. you would you recommend for day two three and four you know what i'm i'm very much um you know i think for the a lot of the american market they want to play links courses i'm sure you'll probably agree with that yeah um but then obviously, you know, with Dornick being 45 minutes away from here, we've got Castle Stewart right across the water. Those are probably the two you know, most famous ones where a lot of the kind of, you know, two ops clients will probably have that number one and two in their list. But you've got Nairn Golf Club, you've got Nair Dunbar, which is, which is a Lynx course. Um, I would always recommend Brora. I would recommend Golfsby Golf Club and Tain as well. I mean, I'll probably miss somebody out here, so... No disrespect to them, but Murray. 
You missed Murray. I'm just ta- I'm talking about within the exact media area. So Murray, <laughs> Murray Golf Club's great. So uh, if if John and Stevie are listening to this, then yeah, I I, I rate that course so highly. You know, it's uh, it's definitely worth a visit. Um, I mean, there's so many good courses. You know, whatever the whatever the uh, kind of budget is, you know, there's going to be a course that suits everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think to play. Go ahead. If you get out to play a couple courses a year, which ones are you choosing? If you had some um, buddies. Yeah, I wish I did. I wish I did. But um, if, if uh, yeah, locally wise, you know, I would probably go Castle Stewart because it's so close to where we are. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, if you can get on Dornick, then yeah, I would. You know, I, I know the I know the managers and club secretaries there really well. So yeah, Neil's always good for um, trying to get a game of golf. Yeah, uh, at his venue at you know, and um, Rora Golf Club. Yeah, I think they're all good. You know, we tend to take if we've got a club outing, you know, we tend to go to Golf Speed because we always get a great deal off them, and they're they're delighted to get the uh, you know the bar income, you know, that they probably get from us at the end of the day. You know, so uh, we usually have a bus with about thirty people on board, which probably hasn't happened for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, we're made to feel really welcome, and it's it's a good place to go. Again, Hayden, he goes back to whiskey. <laughs> yeah, the you're, more whiskey you're a man whiskey. after our own heart, to be honest with you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm what you expect. Yeah, I think that you know the courses that you mentioned um, are all excellent, right? And the fact that you get treated so well at Gulfsby, I think, I think that's true for most of the clubs. Um, in Scotland, but specifically those ones that are that are lesser known, whether it's Fortrose and or Tain or Murray or Nairn. Uh, Nairn's pretty famous, but Nairn Dunbar is a really fun, welcoming club. Brewer and Gulsby are great. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to follow up on something Hayden just asked. So he said, if you were going out for, you know, around your area, which one would you play? Which one would you play? But in Scotland, beyond Fortrose, what's your favorite course in Scotland? Sorry, could you say that again? My apologies. Someone in the Okay, so I'm just following up on Hayden's question. What would be, besides Fortrose, what would be your favorite course in Scotland? Favorite course in Scotland... Carnoustie. Nice. I a good challenge for you. There. Yeah, I played there in the Scottish Amateur a number of years ago, and yeah, it's it's yeah. I think the finishing holes are as as tough as you'll get. Well, for amateurs like us, not and I'm saying like Hayden and I, not someone like you that's plus two. Sixteen is brutal. Yeah, right? I mean, if you can, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone get a ball on the green. Um, there, I, and I'm being completely serious. I've played it three times, so I've seen 12 guys hit balls onto that green right. or towards that green. I've never, towards. even when they hit the green, it doesn't stay on. No, no, no. I I took four there, and I'm I'm not embarrassed to see it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. The first time I played there 25 years ago, I took my dad. We played, we played there. And one of the charms of Carnoustie back then, and I think it's still true today, all of their caddies were members. So we had an insurance salesman. A guy owned his own insurance business. 
And uh, a couple days a month, he would take a day off and caddy, not so much for the income, but to meet people and, you know, share his knowledge of the course. So we came to 18 and I played it like a par five. It was into the wind that day. And um, on my third shot, I stuck a nine iron to a foot and a half, tapped in for par. You know, had John Vandeveld played that way in 99, he'd have been an open champ and his life would be forever different. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's crazy. crazy. That's one of the most, that's one of my most memorable moments in golf, certainly in the open championship history. But would you agree with that, Mike? I would say every time you saw, John van der Veld, that's the first thing you would think of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's going to, it's, it's stuck for the rest of his life, I'm afraid. You know? it's, um, yeah. So, Carnoustie would be your favorite course in Scotland. What yeah, course yeah. would you like, what course would you like to play anywhere else in the world? Right. Well, you know, I've been lucky enough, you know, my brother used to be a caddy um, at the National Golf Links of America. So I used to go out there on holidays and we played probably as good a 36 holes as you'll play. We played Shinnecock in the morning and then the National Golf Links in the afternoon. But then you, you speak to so many people from North America here that they go, how did you do that? You know, but then they've played courses in Scotland that I've never played. You know, I've never played St Andrews, but I've, wa- I've walked around it lots of times. Do you you know what I have to stop you there? Do you know how many people I've met in Scotland who've never played St Andrews? Yeah. I don't understand. You could you could play that whenever you like. Yeah, yeah, probably. We we went into the ballot the last time we went into a ballot was with a guy I knew who worked for the RNA. And obviously, we went into the ballot in all fairness, the same as everyone else. And uh, it was October, and uh, when we saw the, the ballot sheet, um, it was full of Japanese names. <laughs> So we, we, we played the new course instead, but the new course is brilliant, really good. You know, I really enjoyed that. Some people yeah, but the, yeah, Well, the people in town feel that that's um, – I think the way they would rank it is that the best course is the new course and the toughest course is Jubilee. That's what people in town, yeah. St. Andrews, yeah. say. But for my money, there's nothing beats the old course. I mean, you've got the history, you've got the oh, views. 100%. And I think the other thing, for me, it's clearly the best course there. It's The greens are so undulated and mm-hmm. the bunkers are superb and, you know, blind shots and, uh, you know, blind shots off the tee anyway, not on the par threes, but it's just a fantastic place to play. It's, Is that still on your bucket you list? You didn't ask, yeah. You didn't answer the question. What's your, what would be the one course you would play anywhere in the world that you haven't played? Um, because I've seen so many pictures of it recently. Um, Tara Et in New Zealand. Wow. Okay. It's the first time yeah. I've heard that. I mean, I've, I've, I'm familiar with it, but yeah. My my brother is now the caddy master there at Tara Et Golf Club in New Zealand. So wow. And uh, yeah, so that would be my aim is to get get out there at some point. 
It, it, would Augusta be on your list? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Given the opportunity, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would even love to go see the Masters, you know. It would, uh, yeah, it would be it was such an experience. Maybe maybe further down the line, yeah, I'll, I'll make a point of trying to get out there. Well, when you get on there, do you promise to bring Hayden and I as your guests? 100%, yeah, yeah. I need to meet some good contacts over the next... We're close. We're close. Only a couple hours. We've got this on tape now. You've promised. 100%. 100%. We'll get you out there. I mean, Robert McIntyre, do you know him? He was out there this yeah. year at the Masters. And did you did you watch his video that he played as he was going down the lane towards the golf no, club? No. No, you should watch that because he had a Scottish pipe band playing on the on the kind of car stereo, you know, that he had when he was driving yeah. in. So it's it quite good. So you should find that on Twitter. He, he finished tied 23rd, which is uh, excellent for him. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the guy's got a massive talent. You know, I think watch out for him at the Open Championship. Yeah. What, why do you think that there aren't more at the moment um, great Scottish golfers? I mean, I... You know, you can think of Bob McIntyre, Russell Knox, Martin Laird. Um, and then the list runs kind of slim after that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a few in the European Tour, you know, that are coming through. And uh, what you find is yeah, the European Tour is probably the number two tour now behind the US PGA Tour. And a lot of them, when they're kind of at that stage where they're, they've got the ranking points, they'll head to America anyway, you know? So there is, there is some young ones coming through, you know, in, in yeah. Scotland, you know, and uh, I think the, I think Scottish golf are a little bit better than they used to be and, and the, the coaching is good, you know? So hopefully there'll be a conveyor belt of uh, top players coming through in years to come. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. If you could have a foursome, your dream foursome of anyone, Living or dead, who would make up your dream foursome and where would you play? Oh, you've put me in the spot now, right? So, I would have to be Nicholas, Jack Nicholas, 100%. You know, like I remember watching him winning the Masters in 1986, and yeah, you were kind of captivated by watching this guy. You know, it was yeah. amazing to see. Ballesteros. Um, you know what? Probably Tiger Woods. You know, he's he's the most famous. You know, uh, certainly in the modern era, and uh, to do what he's done coming back after the problems he's had is is amazing. I didn't think he would win a major anymore. So now, now you say what course I would love to play. I would love to play Shincock Hills again. I just thought it was fantastic. Just it was just an amazing day. Yeah. Well, I love your choice of Shinnecock, but I'll tell you what, you picked three Masters winners. They also each won the, the Open Championship. Yeah. yeah. I think if you could play Augusta National with the three of them, holy cow. Now, do you want to play with these guys in their prime or right now? <laughs> I, think I, I think I would just embarrass myself if I, if I played with them. Maybe right now that they have all the stories and it would be a fun time. Yeah, it would be me hitting a two iron at the 16th, you know, and they'd be hitting nine irons in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Still, yeah. That's funny. 
Well, that's, those are uh, three great choices. Can't argue with those. Definitely. Um, so is there anything left on your bucket, your golf bucket list? Something you'd want to do or play? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, think the, I think the job itself is, you know, and I think if you spoke to guys in similar positions to me, it's, you know, from, it's a pretty full-on job. You know, there's a lot of hours, you know, a lot of people to look after. Um you know, which is not a bad thing, you know, but you, know, you, you tend to get a bit more downtime, maybe February, March time, you know, before the season kicks off again, you know, but uh, yeah, you have to be here a lot, you know, so maybe the maybe the future, you know, obviously travel more in the future once I get a bit more time yeah. in my hand. Once the club starts employing two or three assistants to me, then I'll just take more holidays. That would be good. I wish. That may be a while. <laughs> I wish, yeah, I wish. I wish. And be retired then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've got uh, one last question. I don't know if Hayden's got another one, but my last one would be, you know, for someone who's visiting Scotland for the first time to play Lynx golf, what advice would you have for them? Right, so my advice, right, was like when I went to the States and I played Oakland Hills, right, for example, I played with the Americans there, right, and they couldn't believe how low I hit the ball for the handicap I was playing off. So I said, well, you need to come over here and you'll realize why I hit the ball so low. You know? So that's my best tip. Keep the ball out of the air as much as possible. If you can chip and run the ball, chip and run the ball. If you can put the ball off the green, put it off the green. This wind, not just here, but in most links courses, I'll just kill the, the shot totally, you know, unless you're unless you're a Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas. Well, that's great advice. Let me ask this. Do you literally putt? Uh, let's say that you're 10 yards off the green. It's a dry day. The, you know, you've got, you could putt it or you could bump and run a six iron or you could chip it. What, what, would you putt it or what, what would you play there? Yeah. Depending on, you know, the, the lay of the land, you know, it's, it's green out there just now, but if, if if this course gets, you know, totally big by the sun, then yeah, take the putter every time. Yeah, it's, it's like putting on a green, if not quicker. Right, right. Don't, don't try a lob shot. I've seen so many juniors in the past trying a lob shot just off the green. Um, well, I'm not allowed to say anything to them but, uh, until afterwards, but yeah, it's the wrong idea. Totally wrong idea. Yeah. Well, I think watch too much golf and TV. That's the problem, you see. Well, I remember watching uh, Padre Harrington pitch. It was a it was a tournament here in the states right before the Masters back then. It was at um, Sugarloaf. They used to have, I think it was called the AT and T, or yeah, I think AT and T was the big sponsor. But um, I was watching him chip from a very tight lie over a bunker. And his touch was amazing, right? And, and that's a difficult shot in Scotland for me. Let's say that I've got um, my ball near, the, near a bunker and uh, a greenside bunker, and the pin is, say, 10 paces on. And you've, you've got, you can't bump and run it there. You've got to hit it in the air. That is a difficult shot for me, particularly off the tight lies that you guys have. It, it is for everybody, you know, but I think Patrick would have been 
brought up and hitting them shots. He probably spent many an hour after school around that green over bunkers. And it's the same with us, you know, we, my mum and dad used to drop us off just before they started work. So we'd spend the whole day down here and then they would pick us up at half past five at night, you know, and we'd go home. So uh, the opportunity to hit so many different shots, you had all the time in the world to do it. Well, do you yeah. remember, do you remember, it was probably, it's probably nearly 10 years ago. It was the year that Phil won the Open at Muirfield. Yeah. But he won the Scottish Open at Castle Stewart. Correct, yeah. And on 18, he had that very bare lie, mm-hmm. and he flopped it. Yeah. Were you as astounded as I was? Like, how did he just do that? Yeah. I mean, off of a tight lie, it's one thing if it's in grass, but it was like hitting it off concrete. It's just, that's just talent. I just think that's talent, you know, and uh, I heard, whether I'm wrong or not, that he's got five different putting greens in his garden, and it's all different types of grass. So, yeah, yeah I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's talent at the end of the day. It's just a, I mean, he obviously won the Open Championship just after that as well. So, uh, yeah, the guy was on top, top form at that time. You know, and uh, he says Castle Stewart's one of his favourites, you know, and uh, Castle Stewart always kind of mentioned that. So he wouldn't be far wrong. It's a great coach. Well, we need to get him across the water to Fort Rose and Rosemarkey, right? He may Without have a, a favourite. Yeah. I did meet him, so he signed a flag for me for four throws, so it's in the clubhouse. So, uh, Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I know I, I know quite a few of the press guys, so when they do their tours with the US tour, I know if I can catch up with them, I'll give them a flag. So I'll show you there when you're here. But yeah, um, one of the press guys, Bernie McGuire, works for the Irish News. So he's obviously at all the press conferences, and he's such a nice guy. He's out with this fort was flag, and he's we've got we've got. I'll show you when you're here. We've got Harrington on it, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, yeah. Seve Ballesteros, all these all these great great golfers. You know, the only one he didn't get was Tiger Woods because he couldn't get near him at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got two questions for you now that you might know the answer to. I just you just mentioned Arnold Palmer before he passed away. Mm-hmm. He started a a project at Castle Stewart to have a second 18 is where are they on that? Is his, are they still going to build a second 18 there? You've probably got as much idea as I do, but uh, I know, I know they started building a little par three course, but that's obviously not what the intention was. And I don't think it's part of Arnold Palmer's project, but yeah, at this time, I don't think any work's going on on that one, you know, so unfortunately, maybe obviously he passed away. So maybe things just made it a little bit more difficult. And what about uh, Cool Links? Have you heard anything about that? Is, is that back on or? No, nah, it's still off. I think there's a, um, yeah, obviously it was voted down. Um, I think the Fonseca seed fly was one of the things that stopped from the environmental point of view. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a mistake because it would have brought so many people to the area, employment for a lot of people as well, you know, and uh, I know Kieran Crenshaw would have had looked after the place. Yeah, so Hayden, there's a, a spot north of Dornach. I think it's called Embo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not far off there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Kaiser, who developed 
Band in Dunes, um, bought that property, this amazing property, hired Corin Crenshaw, and it's been hung up in, what do you guys call that, SSI over there? Scottish Natural Heritage. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and I, think, I think there's so many members of, of that organization. I think letters just came flooding in. Um, objections. Well, I think that would be good for your um, for your business, wouldn't it, to have another course up there? One hundred percent, yeah. If it's, it, as long as it wasn't a members' course, then yeah. I mean, I think there'd be so many other clubs who would benefit. Yeah, and it would keep people up in the Highlands more than they exactly. Do. Um, I mean, you, you find a lot of tours, and you speak to the you know the tour bus guys and all that, you know, or the tour operators, then. Kiss and Andrews is obviously number one, you know, but they'll spend that three, four days up here and then they're going, they're going down towards whether it's like Ayrshire or, or kind of the St Andrews area um, to play the likes of Kings Barnes, Carnoustie, St Andrews, you know, you see, you see names of courses on their list that I've never played, but I know they're top class. Um, so I always kind of comment on the courses I've played in America, which They've never been on before, right. you know. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a pity, but um, who knows? Maybe it might start again in the future. Yeah. Well, I hope it, I hope it starts back up for everybody's sake and uh, for golf in general. I think it'd be a great thing. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the Travel Royally podcast. You did a, an amazing job, and I, I'm sure that this is going to have uh, the effect of driving more golfers to Fort Rose and Rose Markey. Absolutely. Thank all you so much. That's okay. Hey, no, all they have to do is send me an email to the golf club and uh, Fort Rose and Rose Markey Golf Club, and I'll, I'll have them uh, golfing no, no time at all. Yeah. And whiskey oh. as well. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, thanks again. We're looking forward to seeing you okay, in July. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for your time. And, uh... Thanks so much again to Mike for coming on and talking with us. Um, we're excited to get over there in July uh, and, and see him and play the course. Um, I think there's going to be some whiskey involved. Hopefully I can uh, birdie number four and get, get me a free drink. So um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>